Welcome to an Illenials bonus episode. Uh, my name is Smith. I am joined, uh, as always, by Seth. Say hey, Seth. Yep. Hey, Seth. Okay, great. And we've got Marcus here with us. You know it's me, the voice that makes you moist. Oh, God. Yes. Ooh. And we have, uh, for the first time ever, we have a four-person crew on an episode, because we got Ben with us. Hello. Woo. So we're all here. And why are we here, yes. folks? Well, don't you mean, why are all of us here? <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> it's the most fucking How long forced. have you been waiting for that one? Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, so Wait, yeah. okay, if there's one thing you can say about my jokes, you can't call them forced. Okay? <laughs> Dude, I would say that your jokes are so, so forced they're fucking inhuman. Oh, God. Wow. God damn. Wait. <laughs> Wait, what does that mean? Moving on. <laughs> This is a bonus episode. We're talking about the movie Us by Jordan Peele. Just came out. Uh, highly anticipated, if I recall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty big movie. Um, fun fact: it had the highest opening of an original movie in America since Avatar. Really? Ooh. Yep. Huh. Highest grossing. Go of Jordan. Making money. Which just moves. goes to show you, not only is it a good original movie, but we don't have a lot of original movies anymore. That's true. What did it make in its first weekend? It was a lot, right? It, it made seventy million dollars. Jeez, yeah. for a horror movie, that's pretty high, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Horror, horror oh, it's thriller. so so yeah. good. I think I think it's like the third highest grossing uh, opening weekend for a horror movie behind uh, the new It and the latest Halloween. Yeah, oh. and they had name recognition going for them, so yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. So yeah, Jordan Peele uh, made Get Out, and that was uh, a huge success. I mean, that was that's yeah. a, that, that that basically like redefined horror, really, in a way. And so, in my opinion, I'd say it's probably the most. I and I've always told people it's the most important movie over the past ten years. And so, the follow-up was, of course, going to be very highly anticipated. Um, and not as a sequel, just as Jordan Peele's next movie, which is something I've noticed uh, in a way is that, like, instead of building franchises, uh, some some like people are just have a reputation as a director. Like, you want to see this director's movie. Yeah. So, um, what did like for, like what did y'all think just broadly of the movie, real quick? Yeah. Alright, I just want to preface this with, unlike our other movie reviews, let's not do a stupid plot synopsis. If you've seen the movie, you've seen it. We're going to review the movie, because there's a lot to talk about with this movie. But right. I will say, I really enjoyed it. I was I was interested from, from the jump. Um, the trailer really had me um, guessing as what was going to happen, and then the movie just coasted from there, and I, I was never really not entertained the whole time, and I loved it. Yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed it as well. Uh, like pretty much almost everybody in America, I loved Get Out. Uh, I thought I think I thought it was one of the freshest concepts and uh, freshest original movies that we've had in almost a decade. And of course, this one was highly anticipated. And I still think, in terms of its two films, I feel like Get Out is still probably a little bit better. But I uh, that agree. but that doesn't take anything away from us to me. I thought. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I actually saw it twice. I actually saw it uh, again on Sunday after work, and uh, just so I could pick up on stuff I didn't catch the first time, just so I could fully wrap my head around the story. And man, I, I, I it's just, it's really good. Agreed. I also enjoyed the movie, but oh, okay. So I kind of I feel like I kind of ruined it for myself because while I was watching it, I was looking for all the secret things. 
I wanted. Yeah. I was looking for the deeper meaning like immediately. I was just like, ah, what's that? What's that mean? Why is that there? Why is she wearing that shirt? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so, I started doing that, and yeah. then I kind of like I kind of ease myself into being like, okay, let me just enjoy the movie right now, and then I'll I'll get back to thinking about it afterwards. So I did kind of start that way because after Get Out, I was like, I'm not gonna let Jordan Peele trick me. I'm gonna catch up on all the exactly. little, little things. Get it the first shot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That that first shot opened up, and I just kind of, like you guys said, I kind of started overanalyzing a little bit. I was like, "All right, he wouldn't be showing us this if it wasn't going to come back later." So I'm gonna, I'm gonna tuck this, I'm gonna tuck this hands across America into the back of my mind and keep it for mm-hmm. later. And then I spent the next ten minutes trying to overanalyze it. But after the like opening five minute shot of zooming out of all the bunnies and just the ominous music, I was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe I should just sit back and let this movie tell the story instead of me yeah. trying to figure it out. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to do a plot synopsis, but the movie starts off with a fucking statistic about how many unused tunnels are all underneath America. And boy, that just got my mind racing for the rest of the film. That's, <laughs> that's when you know the movie's going to be lit. It's when there's a, a statistic about tunnels at the beginning. Because <laughs> they want they wouldn't just you bring that out, up the, out of one nowhere. Of the, one of the films on the shelf at the beginning is Chud. Yes, and for for uh, viewers who may have seen this movie but have not seen Chud, Chud stands for Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dwellers. Um, and obviously, if you've seen the movie, you can kind of see the connection. Yeah. Or the tether, if you will. Oh my oh. god. <sighs> well, guys, I enjoyed my time here. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say yeah. one thing real quick, and I don't know why I'm getting into this right now, but I saw someone saying that the, the goal of the tether in the movie was to, like, assume the identities of the people above ground, and I'm like, that's not at all what was happening. What the fuck are you talking about? I that mean, I can, yeah. to the goal. Well, you can kind of see where that comes from, because, okay, are, is this like a spoiler warning? Because I, I feel yeah, like, like I, I said, should wait, talk about if, you've, if you're listening to this right now, we hope you've seen the movie because we're just going to talk right. about it because there's a lot to unpack, a lot of spoilers. Yeah. Which so, you spoiler can't talk warning. about this movie without spoiling it. Yeah, yeah. spoiler warning. Because when the, the White family, when their doppelgangers showed up and just immediately killed them, like, the one, like, wore the husband's, like, robe and he was just, like, having a good, weird time. And I'm just like, all right, that's weird. And even the wife was like, Wearing like the the real wife's makeup and was just like yeah yeah this is what I stabbed her for and like so I, I can see where that comes from but interesting detail in that scene um, Elizabeth Moss's um, tether uh, tries to cut her own face because Elizabeth Moss in the movie had plastic surgery oh yeah so, so that was her tether trying to imitate her a little bit yeah I heard someone say that Elizabeth Moss should play the Joker because this movie. And I'm like, maybe a bit, maybe a bit much. She had one, she had one scene where that kind of happened. Okay, every actor in Hollywood should get a Joker movie. <laughs> yes, exactly. I want Fuck every single actor. I want Jim Carrey's Joker. I want. I want uh, Michael Sarah Joker. <laughs> yes. Wait. Yes. Wait, hold on. I want to say, didn't we already see um, Jim Carrey's Joker movie in what? Twenty. He was the Riddler. Fucking boob. God. You goddamn moron! Yeah, that's probably the most embarrassing thing you've ever said on a podcast. Jesus oh, Christ! My God. Um, I want to see Jared Leto Joker. Do it. Wait, uh, shit. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but yeah, let's open this up. What do you? 
Uh, we can just talk. Nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. It's open interpretation. What do you guys think the the message was? What What do you think the tethered were? What do you think the families represented? What do you, What do you think was going on um, with the whole symbolism and metaphors in the movie? I mean, I can open it up if you like. Go ahead. Um, I mean, for me, it's simple. This is a movie about class. It's It's a movie about the three tiered society with. The uh, the Wilson family, which is, um, I guess I should say, you know, the Wilsons are the main characters in the movie. They're Lapita, uh, Nyong'o, Winston Duke, and their two children. Um, and then they have the Tyler family, which is Elizabeth Moss and Tim Heidecker. And then you have the, their tethered uh, uh, duplicates. And they represent yes. the three tiers of our society. You have, um, at the very top, the Tylers are the bourgeoisie. You have the Wilsons, who are more like uh, sort of like middle class, petite bourgeoisie, if that. And then you have the tethered, who are the proletarians. And because the reason I think this is the movie is all about replication and reproduction of the people above you, of like their activities and their habits. And it's most simplified through uh, Winston Duke's character, Gabe, who is constantly jealous of Tim Heidecker's character, Josh. And, like, his boat and his job and his house and all the stuff that he has, Gabe wants to have that for himself and tries... Like, because he has his boat, you know, the Crawdaddy, which is his, his like, attempt to have his own boat. And so he replicates what what Josh does. And then we see when the Tethered show up that they... That's... Once we get to the end, basically, that's their entire existence is literally duplicating everything about the two higher classes above them. And so yeah, they're getting a, a much shittier version of the whole thing. Yeah, and it's like it's all hollow and fake and meaningless, which is a which is like sort of a commentary, in my opinion, on how proletarians uh, are encouraged by our late capitalist society to do our best to replicate the, the experiences and the possessions who are richer than us. And it's just it just it just meaningless. It's just shadow play. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, uh, that's pretty much what I was thinking too. Because uh, when you said that, it reminded me of the scene when the tethered first show up, uh, and uh, to uh, Lupita Nyong'o and uh, Winston Duke their their summer home, and uh, they're talking about uh, you when you grow up, you got nice toys that were soft and squishy, while we got toys that were sharp that were sharp, and we had to make ourselves and they. And we it cut our fingers when we played with them, and uh, what you just said kind of really reminded me of that line, and I feel like that's where it really kind of like ticks that box of what what the movie is trying to represent. Yeah, I do think this is um. I mean, and I, I'm not trying to make everything about our podcast, but at the end of the day, I do think this was a deeply anti-capitalist movie, <laughs> and I do I do think it had. Strong critiques on the whole. Um, is somebody breaking Legos? Oh, sorry. I was taking a swig of water. That was the ice. Oh, okay. Well, how about you turn your damn mic off? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jeez. I am. I'm speaking. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, okay. We're an authoritarian podcast, so we don't deal with this fucking shit from everybody else. I was just yeah. thirsty. <laughs> I guess I won't open my Capri Sun. Jeez. <laughs> Wait until we're Damn. done, asshole. Shout out to Capri Sun, by the way. Nobody ever did it better than Capri Sun. Um, it's been the same for 20 years, but because the, it's just been perfect. They've ne- If it ain't broke, don't fix it. There you go. Yeah. And and that's kind of the, the relationship between the, the tethered and underground. Or kind of the relationship between the, the straw of the Capri Sun and 
the Capri. Never mind. <laughs> um, yeah. <coughs> Where was I? I don't know. Somebody else talk for a second. Well, Marcus, what did you think? What was the movie about? Um, I like I like your your thought, but I feel like the the movie has a lot of just elements thrown together, and. I guess it's like like um, duality. I, I I see the duality obviously between you know the main family and the tethered, but like there's there's a weird interaction that I saw in the movie. The the fight between um, the the black family's tethers. So when um, the the fight scene on the crawdaddy uh-huh. is what comes to mind. So we've got the original dad in the boat. Uh, the tethered coming out of the water and he's got him by the head trying to push his head onto the knife or the scissors and our original dad hits his own head on the engine or did he hit the tethered in the face because how I interpreted that was that the uh, the original people the, like things that happened to them affected the tethered or maybe no, I just I saw believe- that wrong I think that he hit his head on the engine, and then the tethered moved his head in the same direction, and it got hit by the, the actual rotor of the engine. Okay, right, right. Okay. I thought he hit his head on the engine to turn it on. Oh, yeah, that got him on the legs. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah that's what I thought when I first saw it, because I saw people online saying, uh, he hit his head on the motor, so the tethered could hit his head on the motor. I'm like, what are you talking about? He, his head did not make contact with that motor. Like, yeah, he, and he, plus Winston Duke's character was too dumb to figure out the whole tether thing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> by the time he figured he it out, by the time he figured it out, his tethered was already dead. Yeah. I will say yeah. this: it was a smart move to go ahead and have uh, Abraham disable Gabe with that baseball bat to the, to the knee early on, because I was just thinking like, this guy could destroy everyone in the world. What's he doing? <laughs> How is he not winning constantly? Yeah. Really you say could. that, but I do think that in the movie they made Winston Duke out to be a very like emasculated, like like homebody kind of father. Whereas he, like, even though he is physically a big guy, he probably didn't have the mentality to actually be, like, a fighter or a killer. True. Yeah, you, you could definitely tell that he was not, like, he uh, he, he was kind of emasculated uh, in a way in his actions. Especially when the Tethered first show up outside uh, their house, and he goes outside and he tries to intimidate them. And he puts on a, on a fake tough voice, and it's just... Yeah, and he, he looks silly the whole time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, he puts on like um, he goes he like he says something and it has no effect. He comes back with a deeper voice and you're like yeah, and the bad and yeah, <laughs> definitely seen that happen before. We can get crazy. The, the <laughs> cops are on their way. <laughs> the um, but yeah, back to our point about um, it being about class uh, classes and everything. I think one of the the most telling signs of the whole movie to me that this is a, a movie about capitalism and classes is uh, the twist. Um, they, you know, at the movie we find out that um, Adelaide was actually Red and Red was actually Adelaide. They switched places back on that pier a long time ago, and ever since then, the one who was originally the underground has been living above, and then the other one below, and the one that went below that was originally above organized this whole um, uprising of the Tethered. And I think that kind of symbolizes that it, so at one point, um, I'm just going to call the one that currently lives above ground Adelaide. At one point, Adelaide was disadvantaged the underground the poor person the proletariat and then she found a loophole to get herself into the middle class she 
if you if you want to call it, she fought her way up there because I mean she had to do work for it. And then once she is once it comes back to her that she might no longer be that middle class person, she fights tooth and nail and um, throws anybody who like all those people who were underground. You could technically call her fellow you know former proletariat, current proletariat. She throws them all under the bus, murders them brutally, and does not care about about what happens to them because she's trying to look out for herself. Which is kind of what happens in America when someone goes from being in the lower classes to middle to high class. The most iconic line of the movie is when Adelaide asks Red what they are, and she says, "We're Americans." We're Americans. <laughs> Perfect. Chills. <laughs> Chills when I heard that. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, it just really sort of reveals to you sort of how how Red sees the situation, but also it's like they're not monsters. <laughs> they're yeah. not monsters. They're 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 human beings. They're just yeah. they're the shadows of us. I mean, they were technically created, but they're still humans. Like like they they mentioned near the end of the movie that they found a way to duplicate the body, but not the soul. But so even though they're sharing a soul, they're still technically human. Yeah, that was an interesting thing because it's like it's 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 Red's theory, of course. So it's not like I guess one hundred percent the truth. Um, but it is interesting that the, that the implication she makes is that this was like a government kind of experiment to control the above ground people using the underground people for like nefarious purposes. That's yeah. definitely an interesting commentary on. I think that we see today a lot of conspiracy theory stuff coming back, um, and this was like a feel like an extension of that. Yeah, and I think you just hit on something that I think is going to be. Um, even though I love the movie, I, the the one criticism or the one thing that I I think they did too much now that I've gone back and um, analyzed it is, what do you guys think about the fact that, that I think they overshared a little bit too much about the the whole system of the tethered, because I think they both overshared and underexplained, because they gave us just enough to where we have some insane questions as to how the whole system works, um, but they didn't give us enough to have any of those answers. So I kind of feel like maybe if they left it a little more ambiguous, we would have been in a different different conversation right now. What do you guys think about that? Uh, I think it's interesting how you still th- uh, how uh, like uh, I, I just think it's interesting. The thing about the movie is, unlike Get Out, this movie is a lot more open ended, and it yes. gives us like like you said, it gives us enough information to where we can kind of put together what's going on. But it also raises more questions. Like, wait. So the government was behind this. I want to learn more about that. When did the when did this start? Why why are they doing this? Why did they aban- Why did they abandon it? And get out. Yeah. Pretty much, there's no loose ends by the end. Every question you have at the beginning of the movie is tied up and answered at the end. So I, I do understand where you're coming from, where you say it over explains and also <laughs> under explains at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. One. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> sorry about that. One. One of the parts that I was interested in was why she chose Hands Across America as her, like, rallying cry to get up to the surface. Well, that was all... I I believe that's because that's all she knew at the time. She was... You know, she came from around the time when um, these Hands Across America commercials were big and people thought it was going to make a difference. Um, You know, a bunch of people getting together and we're going to fight homelessness. Whereas, in the end, it was a very hollow gesture. And I think that's kind of what it all comes back to is that um, Adelaide didn't know a whole lot about what the world was like after that, so she was like, "This is going to be our like, we're going to go up there, we're going to have hands across America," 
and in the end it kind of achieves the same thing as to being a very it was very hollow and didn't actually achieve anything yeah pretty much uh like when when, when she uh, gets when she gets uh, switched out and uh locked in and locked in the underground tunnel all she really knew at the time was hands across america and thriller which explains the red jumpsuits the single-handed gloves uh, oh, and uh, yeah, the hands yeah. and the hands across America plan. I don't know where the scissors came. Oh, never mind. I answered my own question. Scissors. They're untethering. It's a. Me- they're making a statement. Okay, answer my own question. <laughs> yeah. Good so job. scissors to me, not only is it a way to <clears throat> cut a tether because that's what they're trying to do. So it's very on the nose. But also a scissor. It's two things that come together and are look exa- look basically exactly the same, and Ooh. you know make a new object. So it's basically like. A symbol of a tether, as well as a way to cut the tether. I thought that the hands across America thing, the creating this this human monument across the the continent, was a way for the tether to show, first of all, that they have achieved. It's in, in my opinion, it's the Marxist idea of achieving class consciousness. We have bent our will and and achieved solidarity towards a singular goal. And that goal is, you know, demonstration of our power. Like, we are united in pursuit of this thing. And so that's what it was. You know, it was them showing the world outside of America, I guess. This, I think this implied point takes place in America. Um, we are here. And we have... And the red, to me, is first of all because, the you know, of course, I think they wear red jumpsuits because, like you said, Thriller. And that's probably why she took the name Red when she got down there. And also, it symbolizes to me, like, like blood in a very literal sense... It's crisscrossing America, which just and this is a tortured metaphor, I suppose, is like showing they've decapitated the the ruling class, one long like red line of blood. Yeah, it'd be like a dividing line, kind of, showing that there's a a new boss in town. Yeah, and just like you know, revealing themselves to the world for the first time as, uh, and showing that they have a like a united front. <coughs> yeah, but. Yeah. My, my question is, what good is their message, like, revealing themselves to the world if they're killing everybody? Because if everyone's dead, they have no one to reveal themselves to. Well, I think it's people beyond America, right? It's, oh, it's, okay. If it's just America where this is happening, I think it's like other places are going to take notice. I also don't think they killed everybody 100% because there are, like, helicopters in the sky and stuff at the end. Oh, so, oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably didn't get everybody in one go, but they try to get as many as as they could, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, it looks yeah. like they got a lot from from that last shot at that last panning shot at the end. Which, by the way, gorgeous. I think the cinematography in this movie is outstanding. Oh, oh yeah, fantastic, freaking gorgeous. Yeah. Well, Seth, I think it was underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Seth, you po- you pointed out that there's a line in the movie early on where Red's or Adelaide's father talks about shooting a movie nearby the Santa Cruz uh, boardwalk, right? And that's Lost Boys? Lost Boys. People have done the research to find out that Lost Boys was the movie they're talking about. But when I was watching the movie, at that point, I was like, man, this is so Lost Boys right now. Yeah. (laughs) I think Jordan Peele really knows how to reference other films visually. Like, when when we first introduced the Wilsons, it comes in on a helicopter shot across the treetops, right? And that's the yeah. same way The Shining opens. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I think Jordan Peele's watched a movie or two. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's two. Maybe definitely two. seen a couple. He's, he's at least seen Chud. We know that. Yeah. And maybe The Shining. But, yeah, like, 
what I really like about Jordan Peele is he's someone who definitely wears his inspirations on his sleeve, but in a way that's not obnoxious. Like, he references horror movies that he was inspired by in his films, but not in a way that brings attention to it. Like, uh, people who are really looking into it, they can see that and like, oh, this is from The Shining. Oh, look, that's Chud. Oh, this is totally Lost Boys. But it's not like any other movie where it just makes a blatant reference and then turns and then like, like winks at the camera. It's like, huh? Get it? <laughs> yeah. And it's actually something, uh, this is gonna be a, kind of a reach, I guess, but it, it kind of reminds me of Get Out because Get Out, while it didn't have a lot of um, movie references, what it did have was, in my opinion, the most obvious but least obtrusive product placement. I feel like, like, because obviously that movie was sponsored by Microsoft and specifically the Microsoft Surface um, like Pro tablet or whatever. Because mm-hmm. um, you see them so many times and they always show the logo. But it was never like... It was never like in Jurassic World when they like show the Mercedes logo like for a long drive. Like it was, it was, it was there. It was part of the movie, but it, ne- it never really was in your face. And that's how his film references are too. He is good at paying homage to movies that he really loves and ones that c- connect to his source material. But he doesn't actually go too far as to like make it super obvious. To like right now we're talking about, oh, did you see the Chud thing? But you didn't have to see the Chud thing. He just put it there. If you see it, you see it. If you don't, you don't. Yeah. It doesn't, like, slowly pan into the Chud VHS. It's just there for the film buffs to get it. Yeah. Um, and I'd say, guys, the, the moment where I fell in love with the film, and this is just a weird thing to have even, like, to be affected by, I guess, was when the Wilsons first get to the beach, and they're walking across the sand going to meet the Tylers, and there's a top-down shot of them walking across the beach, and the music is this, like, sinister sort of... I don't know what you describe it as. Like, Desmodonian seriousness of, of, a, of a track. And I was just like, this is such a great way to start creeping up dread on me. Like, present yeah. me with a normal scene, but that music over it and these particular shots, it was so good. Shout out to the creepy-ass remix of I Got a Five on it they played the whole movie. <laughs> because that was a fucking incredible choice. Yeah, I knew this film was going to be great from the trailer because of the way they remixed that song. It, it is terrifying now. The way it's used in the final fight between Adelaide and Red is perfect. I love oh, it. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Whoa. It was yeah. way too good. And, uh, but it's actually funny because I was li- I listened to that version so much and the other day I listened to the original version and I gotta say the original version still kind of creepy for uh, for the song that it is. Yeah. I was like this I was like this is this song. I thought I thought some of the parts were from the creepy remix. They're actually just the song. Uh, j- j- just like the little uh, xylophone or the little or the keyboards <laughs> in the back. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's our, and one of the, and the opening line is like creep on in. You know, it's like it's already creepy. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, did anybody get like, okay, the twist when we find out that that uh, uh, Adelaide is actually uh, a, te- a tether the whole time? Mm-hmm. Did anybody see it coming? I I won't say I saw it coming, but like there are parts when when like when she starts fighting, like the tethered, yeah, that she the way gets she really, like runs. yeah. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, like. What? Why are why are you so into this? Yeah. yeah, um I will I will say that if I would have remembered the trailer better, I would have called it, which is kinda why I don't like the trailer anymore. 
Yeah, because the little girl gets, like, choked. Yeah, you see the choking scene, the whole impetus of, you know, her getting dragged down into the, the underground. You see that in the trailer, and if I would have remembered that, I probably would not have, uh, I probably would have guessed it pretty soon. Yeah, my, my thought was, dude, here's here's how, here's much of the fucking rube I am. When that scene first happened, and, you know, you, all you see is, like, is red, I guess, or the, the, the tethered version of Adelaide from behind, and it cuts away, right? It's mm-hmm. like, I thought, oh, they're not going to do the whole she secretly replaced her thing and she's actually been her the whole time? Okay, well, interesting. <laughs> I, got th- I thought that would be a super easy thing to do. And then it happened and I was like, wait, why did I ever let them put it at the beginning of the fucking movie? Am I, am I a moron? <laughs> Clearly. I guessed the twist yeah. and then convinced myself the twist wasn't happening because they didn't do it at the dumbest time they could have done it. <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah i'm gonna no be, idea what um, i was thinking i'm gonna be honest when the twist first happened uh i didn't really know how i felt about that because through my first viewing and i know like uh seth me and you were uh texting about the movie after we saw yeah. it and i brought up that i don't know if i was really a big fan of the twist ending because i thought it like opened some plot holes up but then i saw the film again recently and i watched it all the way from the beginning and i'm like Okay, okay, it makes sense. It makes sense because yeah, if you if you think about it, it, it makes a lot of sense. Because you go back and you see that she has one line when she's talking to Elizabeth Moss on the beach. She can't really hold a conversation well, and she and her explanation is, "I'm just not good at talking." And she also has a lot of a uh, rabbit memorabilia, like a lot of rabbit related uh like plushies around the the summer home and. Uh, and like uh, her daughter is wearing a shirt, I can't remember what the word says, but it's a foreign word for rabbit. Yeah, I think it's in like Vietnamese or something. Yeah, some, something like that. And also like the way she eats, she uh, like in the scene uh, when the family is eating at the dinner table, uh, she's just kind of nibbling on a, on the strawberry in a way like a rabbit would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's she has a lot of mannerisms like that um, that really open up the movie to a whole different interpretation on our second watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it de- like when you when you figure out the twist and you go and watch the movie back a second time, it really changes your perception of the whole film. Yeah, it, dang, I need to watch it again. I know we were more rewatching. <laughs> so, oh yeah. So I don't know if um, Smith's gonna like this, but do we want to talk about the theory? <laughs> the, the theory, theory? Is, the, the theory is fine with me. I'm cool with it. Do you guys want to hear? Has has anybody heard the big Reddit theory about this movie? I have not heard this theory. No. Okay. About so Jason the theory. So the theory <sighs> is that Jason, the son, had also switched with his tether. Because so there's a lot there's a lot of stuff that goes into this theory. I know it sounds crazy at first, but I read it and I agree with it now. But so in the very beginning, not the very beginning, but when they're first um, in the vacation house and they're like playing around and uh, Jason accidentally or. Um, the daughter, I can't remember her name. She um, um, she is Zora. Zora. She locks Jason in the closet with the little toy uh, ambulance while kicking it out. Um, Adelaide gets worried, and then um, she mentions that, oh, she's like, remember last time this happened, you were gone for like an hour. Like, you were locked in there for an hour. And people really focus in on that line, and a couple of things that happen to Jason throughout the movie, and figure out that whenever this happened, I guess it was supposed to be like a year ago, um, Jason actually switched with his tether. And uh, some of the most compelling evidence towards this is, um, one, so a lot of people notice that in the movie, um, the other version of Jason, Pluto, has the um, burns on his face. And people were like, oh, that's because Jason is playing with the little, the little uh, magic trick lighter, and he's failing, but the underground one is succeeding and burning his face every time he does it, because he can't control that he's doing it. Yeah, um, I, ju- I just read that one today. 
actually. I, yeah. I, I never really thought about that until just a, an hour or so ago. Exactly. But the idea is, but the thing is that, um, the idea is that Jason in the past has been able to use like a lighter before, but when he switched to this tether, the tether didn't know how. So the one up below ground is able to use it and is burning himself because the one above is so incompetent and hasn't done this stuff before. And also there's the, the whole idea, and this is like kind of a silly piece of evidence, but I, I find it convincing, is when um, the very funny line where Jason says, kiss my anus, <laughs> because it seems like something that a person who didn't have a great grasp of like um, curse words in America would say, like, oh, anus means butt. People say kiss my butt, so I'll say kiss my anus. Um, the part where he's digging people sand gone, tunnels. Yes, and it, on the fucking beach, he's not building sandcastles, he's building tunnels. He says it. They're, they, they're like, "What are you? Why are you building tunnels?" And he like it. That's pretty damning evidence, in my opinion. And there, there's just a, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. There's also the fact that at the very end of the movie, um, when they're escaping, he's holding he has a rabbit in his hand, kind of to to imply that maybe he's a tethered because that's because they have a closer co- uh, connection to the rabbits. Um, I don't know. I, th- I I was convinced by it. You guys can you guys can read more on it later if you want. But I think it's a really interesting thing because if it, if like maybe if the, if that is Jordan Peele's intention, I think it's kind of cool to have this real this twist that if you go back and read and watch the movie again, you can pretty much see it the whole Adelaide Red thing. But if you read even deeper, you can find something out about Jason, um, mm. which I find kind of cool. Yeah, and one of the one of the pieces of evidence I found interesting was. In the trailer, you see this as well. When Adelaide is trying to get uh, uh, Jason to, uh, to to snap yes. fingers on time with the song, and they're both yes. a little bit off. <laughs> yes, she is off time. Some people have noticed since the trailer came out, and so is he. She's never able to get him on time, and he's never able to be on time. It's hmm. it's there's a lot of meat on these bones, if you ask me. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's that that um. He's replaced, like, they've swapped places. I think it's more that she's a tethered, and, like, since she's, like, this artificial thing that was created, those traits are going into her offspring. I think yeah, that's... fuck you. I'm just, listen, I'm just talking. <laughs> fight me. Come fight me, then. I mean, yeah. honestly, I mean, I can see that, too. I mean, honestly, I think I think that one makes a little more sense to me because technically her children are now half-tethered and she wasn't really normal to begin with, which kind of explains, uh, like, I, I, another thing I really like about the movie is that it's kind of obvious that uh, Jason, he has some sort, I, I think it's safe to say he has some sort of a mental disability, I think maybe like high-functioning autism, possibly, but they ne- never really bring a lot of attention to it. Yeah. Like the, there's just some obvious traits that are there where he's kind of a little hyper obsessive with uh certain things like the like the wolfman mask he, yeah he constantly wears. That uh, there's just yeah. there's some signs in there. So Yeah, which is another another people piece of evidence is that in the movie when he looks at his mom and obviously she's tethered. Whether whether Jason is tethered or not, or is the original tethered or not, he looks at her, he sees her, he knows that that's the fact. And then he puts his mask down. People were kind of saying that that might imply that he's going. He's putting his mask back on. He's going back to being the Jason instead of Pluto, and he's. It's just kind of a way for him to um, symbolize that. Which you know, you can read that a hundred ways if you want. Yeah. Now here's my question: Do we think that that Jason 
in this theory, let's, let's say it's true. Let's say Jason and Pluto switched places a year ago. Do we think that Jason knows that Adelaide is also a tethered in this situation? Yes. Or is that last shot not a look of him realizing his mother is a tethered, but realizing that his mother is like him? Mm-hmm. I mean, six and one, half a dozen of the other. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's 25 true. or six or four. Yeah, I guess that's true. It, it's just it, it's just interesting to me because I'm like, did like did she did she orchestrate the switch or did it happen, uh, or did like like mother like son basically? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot to think. Of. Like I said, I'm gonna be talking about this movie for a long time. I have not stopped since it came out. Yeah, By the I way, do- you know what's you know what's interesting about this movie? Oh, go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, like uh, uh, one uh, one thing I was thinking is I feel, I definitely feel like the tethered can sense other tethered, and that's why Elizabeth Moth's Moth's uh, tethered yes. didn't kill Adelaide and just kind of just kind of tied her up, and it just seems like all of them kind of went easy on her compared to everybody else. When like Tim Heidecker and Elizabeth Moss's and their daughters tethers, they they just they just straight up fucking stabbed them in the neck and killed them, whereas uh, Red kind of toyed with uh, Adelaide more. Oh my god, the part in the Tyler's house. Yes. And she says, call the police. Yeah, there were actually there were actually some pretty uh brilliant comedic moments in this movie. Um that being one of probably the biggest one. Um the kiss my anus we talked about earlier. And then also the one that got me the most was when they talked about their kill counts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I've killed myself <laughs> and two other people. Yeah, I killed myself <laughs> and Tyler. So. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, by, by the way, Seth, you pointed this out that in the in the song "Fuck the Police," one of the first lines is coming straight from the underground. Yes. Mm-hmm. Interesting <laughs> symbolism. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to, a lot there as well. An- um, uh, another thing about uh, like Tim Heidecker and Elizabeth Moss is uh, uh, first off, I think both of them are incredible actors, especially Elizabeth Moss. Moth, I thought. I mean, not Moth. Moss. There Elizabeth Moth. Yeah, <laughs> I thought Elizabeth Moth. You know, she was a uh, she was pretty uh, she was pretty great. But also, I really loved how Tim Heidecker played his tethered because if you think about it, the tether his tethered has been mimicking a, an alcoholic for twenty years. Yeah, like a drunken <laughs> asshole. Yeah, <laughs> basically, just like when he's walking around outside looking for Winston Duke's character, and he's just waving his arms in the air, like, oh, come on, wh- where is he? And then the whole like uh, uh, reaching out his hand and then pulling it back and slicking back his hair. Yes. I thought it, I thought that was I thought that was incredible. And then like the the fucking twins, they were just gym, gym gymnastics <laughs> everywhere. Because I mean, they were just like two teenage girls who probably just do all that kind of shit all the time. Yeah, well, the beats they were doing cartwheels and shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I mean it was pretty accurate because uh, the. Uh, the the real the real versions they were always doing uh they were all they were always doing uh somersaults and stuff. Yeah. By the way, has anyone ever looked at the names of the tethered versions of the characters? I only looked no. at the main family. I didn't look. I didn't. I didn't know the other ones had names. Yeah, oh, like they did it in the credits, and I was like, I saw some of them, but I didn't like hold on to those names. Yeah, I got interesting. I, I got some. To me. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I got some of them pulled off now. If you want me to read them off. I'll go ahead. Uh, Elizabeth Moth, uh, Moth, God, God damn it! Hold on, <laughs> Elizabeth Moss. Her uh, tether was named Dahlia, and Tim Heidecker was named Tex. Okay. And, uh, and uh, Adelaide's father, who was named Russell, the movie was named Wayland as his doppelganger, and her mom, who was Rain, was named Eartha. 
Mm-hmm. But what I find interesting are the kids' names, because Zora's uh, tether was named Umbre, and Jason's was Pluto, Pluto. Which, which are both Greek mythological characters. And then, yeah, and, then the, she, and then she had Abraham for her husband, who's a biblical character. And then uh, the twins, their two characters, their tethered names were, were Io and Nyx, who are also Greek uh, uh, gods. Mm. Yeah, she really, she, I, I gotta say this, Adelaide, she really kind of lost her mind down there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, don't really know, I don't really know what led her to this, but she, she really kind of lost her thread down there and was just kind of like... <laughs> Throwing around all this Greek mythology, which, by the way, pretty advanced for whatever age she was. She had to be like seven. Yeah. Um, she she was throwing around all this Greek mythology and um, she yeah she and also that's one thing you pointed out earlier, Smith, is that we talked about the whole underexplaining and oversharing thing, but also this is all just Adelaide's idea. She doesn't. Nobody, as far as we know, nobody went down there and told her. Oh, by the way, we're from the government. We copied you all. That's what we're doing. She just, she's just there. She, she got thrown down there and has to assume everything for herself. So mm-hmm. we might have a, we might have an unreliable narrator for all we know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, also, I just want to point out one of my favorite sequences in the whole movie is towards the end when they are explaining the switch that happened between Adelaide and Red. When you see, like, remember at the beginning, they, they show Adelaide following her parents around in the, in the boardwalk, and they're having a little bit of an argument, and they're doing yeah. different things. When it intercuts that again with what's happening in the underground, the tethered are, it's just a fantastic sequence. The way they match the fucking movements, the people who are, like, on the fucking yeah. fake roller coaster, the way that they tether oh, yeah. father Shout out to my drunkenly. boys in the broom closet on a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it was all just so fucking amazingly well, like, like choreographed together. It's, ah, it's so yeah. good. And another really, we talked about cinematography earlier. One really, really good shot is when Red and Adelaide finally confront each other in the underground. And you see both their faces, like, um, on the screen at the same time, like, transposed on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, looked really, really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And another great um, directing slash acting choice that, like, the more I think about it, the more I love it, is the scene where... Um, Winston Duke's character is um, trying to be all sexy and she's she's looking at her reflection and kind of like touching her face like talking about what happened to her mm-hmm. and that this and like you can and like on a on a rewatch or on, on a re uh, an analysis you realize how like great how cool that scene is um, yeah that she's looking at herself like you know I'm not even really who I say I am and I'm like getting scared right now and I'm, I'm like realizing my past is gonna come back to get me yeah it was crazy also, did y'all notice the change that happened in the ha- the fun house over the years? Oh yeah, no. it, it changed from um, frick. It changed from Native American like a discovery quest. quest to Merlin's Merlin's. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting. Like maybe a commentary, just my observation of like t- t- in 2018 when this movie was set. Uh, Native American Spirit Quest would not uh, go over so well as an attraction. So. Oh no! But, but I will say that one of one of the evidence that this is a government thing, and this is going to sound like I'm making a joke, but I'm not. One of the ide- one of the pieces of evidence that this is like a government operation is the whole Merlin slash Native American Vision Quest thing. Is obviously no one fucking uses that thing, mm-hmm. but it's still on this it's still on this popular boardwalk for you know twenty thirty years. 
So it, it's kind of like it's staying open for a reason. Like any yeah. any other board off would replace it with something that people actually wanted to use and being oddly um, well maintained. Yeah, yeah. Weird, weirdly well maintained. It speaks to the kind of government mentality of we'll just stop talking about what's underneath here and just keep paying the rent. Essentially, you know. Exactly. And oh, don't worry, Heather. They, all they can do is act out what we're doing, so it's not a big deal, right? Like this doesn't matter. Yeah. So once again, we're never obviously we're never going to get answers on oh who controlled the tether, who created them, what happens if you go out of the country, what happens if you fly across the the country. What, there's obviously not a tunnel under every single piece of America. So what are those people's tether doing? Like yeah. all that stuff is never going to get answered. But that's not really the point of the movie. Yeah. I mean, the, none of them are going to get answered unless we track Jordan Peele down kind of bombard him with questions and make him release a tell podcast answering every single question we have because oh, I, yes. I have well, <laughs> I have a lot of questions well um, he actually did do an interview um, on, a, on a film podcast that I listened to a little bit after uh, South by Southwest and the movie uh, first premiered um, and they just they just released the episode of the podcast uh, when the movie came out and I will say one of the more interesting things he said he didn't address like the twist or anything like that because he didn't want to give it away but one of the more interesting things he said was that um, he made Get Out because he saw something wrong in America and he wanted to make a movie about it with a, a message, which was obviously the co-modification of black people in America. That was kind of the the, me- the message he was trying to send with that movie. And he said, but after Get Out, after all the success, he was he decided to look at himself and realize, hey, well, you know, we're not all perfect. What am I doing wrong? And that's kind of what, you know, and he, he wanted us to represent that in that, you know, we all have this baggage. We all have something that we are tethered to. Um, we, we all have this something we all have something dark inside of us that we're not proud of or that we don't know and he wanted he wanted us to kind of symbolize that um, after get out Wow um, also I keep seeing people saying uh, that they want to know why the rabbits are in the movie like what's to do with the rabbits and I have the answer everybody mm-hmm. they are an animal that symbolizes the proletariat because they are Fast breeding, uh, generally uh, uh, fine, uh, content in enclosed spaces, and uh, pretty much just used for food. So that's that's my theory. My theory, and I agree with that one too. But also, it's like let's once again let's go down the let's go down the rabbit hole. Like, no, <laughs> good, good no joke. I mean, hey, no, but for real, what happens when she goes down? She has to go into that escalator, and she sees all these rabbits. Deep down underground, she's technically going into a rabbit hole, if you want to say it that way. I see where you're going um, here. And then also, the idea is, if this is a government experiment, I mean, what do we test all of our medicines and chemicals on all the time? Rabbits. Oh, yeah. And are, if these tethered are a government experiment, it's just one more extension into how they're treated like rabbits and how they eat rabbits all the time. Yeah. Uh, I thought fact, you were going with If this a, is a government... Th- oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I thought you were going with a Alice in Wonderland kind of thing. I mean, yeah, you can you can see it that way, and also like, I mean, they're eating rabbits all the time. What what if these rabbits are the rabbits that have a bunch of tests done on them and aren't useful like outside anymore? So they just throw them down there for the, the tethered eat. I don't know. I ain't got the answers. Yeah, I that sequence where she goes underground, by the way, for the first time uh, to to like find uh, Jason, really did feel like a weird descent into madness, almost. Yeah, or like I, into the, the Alice in Wonderland thing is really good. A really good comparison. Yeah, it felt like we were like like going into a, a like a bizarro world. And that's the thing is like it, it's crazy because like if you were to explain this movie to anybody without giving them a whole lot of um expo- like a whole lot of like 
physical explanation. You said, oh, there's people underground who, you know, are tethered to us and act like us, talk like us, walk like us. They probably imagine some kind of, like, fantasy world underground. But the, the thing is, it's it's mundane. Once you get down there, once you realize that it's just a mundane, sad dystopia down there, um, it, it kind of adds to the, the level of, like, g- grief and punishment that is uh, put on the tethered. Wait a minute, guys. I just thought of something amazing. The movie's called okay. Us. U.S. United States. We're Americans. Okay. Um, Eye-opening. Thank you. Yeah, and I don't know what the title is. And they, they, I guess they kind of give it away in the movie, is that the title kind of has two meanings. First of all, when Jason says, it's us, because obviously they, it's a bunch of people who look just like us, mm-hmm. all of us, boom. Mm-hmm. But then also, at, one, at near the very end, Red says, you know, you know, they, she explains the thing about Tethered and how like, they switched places, and she's like, and it all came from us. Because those two, Red and Adelaide, are the, what started this whole thing. Without those two, there is no story. There is no movie. Um, so it's, it's a movie about yeah. us being those two. Hmm. Also, you ought to have a movie keeps bringing up that Jeremiah 11.11 passage. Yes. Right. You know what it says? I do I know read what it the other day, but I, I don't remember it. <laughs> um, therefore, this is what the Lord says. I will bring on them a disaster they cannot escape. Although they cry out to me, I will not listen to them. That that's some Rorschach shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, eleven eleven is symmetrical. That's true. A palindrome. Yeah. If, if um, a lot of uh, symmetry stuff is uh, pointed out in the movie. In fact, the whole the whole thing starts at eleven eleven. Do y'all want to hear the worst take on this movie, by the way, real quick? Oh, I love it. Oh, Might yeah. as well. From the website, the root. Um, which largely is a website that's devoted to two things. Writing about things that happen to black people and hating Bernie Sanders. Um, this is their this is their, their analysis of the movie Us. Um, the Wilson family represents the Wilson family. The white people in the movie represent white people. The shadow people represent scary shit. The recurring, the recurring Bible verse, Jeremiah 11.11, is just about Bible verse that could be used in any horror movie. The underground world represents a world that is underground. The rabbits represent rabbits. And the all-red off outfits represent a wardrobe designer's thought. I bet this will really pop on screen. Well, That's okay. Like, and it's like... May, I don't know. Maybe if this was um, some anybody else made this movie, or anybody who like I didn't have some kind of idea about made this movie, I maybe I can see this. But this is the guy who made fucking Get Out. Like, don't don't sit there and just try to say that there that literally nothing in this movie represents anything, and that Jordan Peele didn't think he, like maybe even the stuff we're saying isn't what he intended. But like obviously he was trying to say something with this movie like you can't just close your eyes to all of it that's just like saying you don't want to watch movies mm-hmm. also even the shittiest movie everything means something yeah whether they knew it or not yeah like in transmorphers <laughs> the, the, the end when they, they finally blow up the complex or the i guess the transmorphers are made it kind of is like referencing how we need to de-shackle ourselves from all of our consumerist habits or like in Birdemic, Shock and Terror, when they leave the movie theater and they say, that was a really good movie, an inconvenient truth. It's kind of like they're saying, we should treat our environment better, shown by all the birds that, all the, all the incredibly realistic looking birds that come in later and just attack everybody. 
Yeah, it's almost like in uh, whichever Superman movie had Richard Pryor in it when he like tears up a cigarette to represent nuclear bombs. I mean, that just speaks for itself. Yes, of course. It's kind of like how human centipede represents uh, how we treat culture in the world. We feed it into one person and just get shit down the line to, to yeah. it gets more and more diluted. And how we decide to glob onto other people to get our our opinions and our our lifestyle facts instead of just forming our opinions of our own. We're almost we're almost ass to mouthing ourselves to each other personality wise. <laughs> mm. Oh man! Beautiful analyses, fellas. I, I'm really I'm really enjoying. This. Yeah. The key, the key that you gotta understand, Marcus, is you can say anything about anything if you just have uh, enough bullshit to back it up. Honestly, you, you really don't even have that. You can just kind of say stuff if you want. All you gotta do is just have some bullet points and just know how to keep talking. Yeah. Uh, so I want to. I think we're kind of getting towards the end here of uh, of, the, of the, the review. I want to know what everybody's like final thoughts are on the movie. What do y'all? What do you yeah, so say in conclusion? Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna go around. We're gonna start. Say what you thought about it. Anything, anything new you wanted to add, and then we're gonna rate it on a scale of um, of um, how many how many do you have on it? So if you have five on it, that's a five <laughs> out of five. And then four, three, two, one, obviously. So we'll, we'll uh, go that. And we'll... I swear, so sometimes you're a damn genius. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll start with Marcus. Um, I I enjoyed uh, us. Uh, I think of it as more a suspenseful movie with a lot of interesting themes. I got five on it. Wow, a five on it already. <laughs> All right, let's go, uh, Ben. All right, uh, like I said earlier, uh, out of uh, his two films, I still think Get Out is a, is a tiny bit better. If I were to apply the I got five on it scale to that one, that will be, I would have five on it. For this one, I would say roughly I got four point eight six on it. Just just round it up to five, man. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm one of those professors who refuse to do that. Damn it! Wow. <laughs> it's like just give me the ninety. I'm at eighty nine point eight seven. Yeah, I think the the get out scale would be um out of um uh, what what could get what could be a good scale for get out. Um, something about the TSA, maybe. I think it'd be like a rating of. Um, oh, how many how many terms Obama should have in pres in the presidency? <laughs> <laughs> Five I would have voted for, vote for Obama again. I would have yeah. I would have voted for Obama for a fifth time if I could. Um, uh, so I guess I'll, I'll uh, do I'll go second to last year. Um, I think Us was a great movie. Uh, it. Uh, was a, I think uh, first of all a, a very good horror movie with I think even if you don't like care about all the stuff we've been talking about like symbolism and whatnot there was still like a bunch of really good scares and there was like uh, really good kills too when they take they take on the tethered stuff like there was some good classic you know horror movie uh, uh, nonsense that everyone loves and I don't know I just thought that it was uh, uh, and the themes the the analysis we've done I, I appreciate it and I want to see it again. What do you have on it? I would say that I would... I, you know what? I'm with Marcus. I got five on it. Yeah! Alright. Um, so, yeah. Um, the thing about this movie that is going to stick with me the longest is how much I'm going to talk about it. I mentioned it earlier. Um, I haven't stopped. Uh, I talk about it with people at work. I talk about it with all my friends. Um, I tell people to go see it so I can talk to them about it and make their lives hell. 
Um, and I'm still going to talk about it. Um, I'll probably talk to the three of you about it for days. But And that's something that's going to stick with me for a while. Um, I think that the movie had... It, it really had a... The, the message, while not as consistent as Get Out, um, it kind of just... It, since it's open interpretation, it gives you a lot to work with. And I loved it. I think the cinematography was great. I think Jordan Peele has great things ahead of him. I'm excited for all of his projects. Um, but I'm on the same basis um, that Ben had. I got five on it. Oh. I, I still think get I I got six on Get Out. I think Get Out is <laughs> nice. I think Get Out is almost as close as I'm ever gonna see to a perfect movie, honestly. And but us is us is still very good. I got five on it. All right. Well, uh, this was fun, guys. Yeah. We need to do it again is. for where the next big movie is. Uh, end game. End game. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready to do a full hour and a half on the latest Tim Burton Dumbo movie. Uh, no, no, thanks, bro. You know, Ben, <laughs> I'll go see it. It'll be a bonus episode of our Green Day podcast. Okay. I would rather attach a fucking chain to each one of my pubic hairs to oh. a different semi truck, oh. and just have them all go not at the same time. No, 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 oh, in no. sequence. Oh. You How are. big are your pubic hairs that chains can fit on them? <laughs> right? Listen, gonna, it's going to hurt a lot, is what I'm saying. Wait, why, why are, you, are you that against Dumbo? <laughs> what do you have I against do, Dumbo? I do not like this film. It looks garbage. How do you know if you haven't seen it? I oh, see things know they're bad. Damn. And also, the original, the animated one is like one of the best Disney movies ever. Yeah, leave it alone. Let it be. Oh I mean, that's the reason why I saw it because I love because of how much I love the original. I still can't watch that scene where you know where they have Dumbo's mom like caged up and Dumbo goes to find her and they intertwine trunks outside. Like I can't, wa- I still can't watch that scene without crying. Mm. Um. All right. We went off but, the rails there at the very end. Yes, wait, the end game scale, the end game yes. rating scale should be how many Ant Mans are going in Thanos' butt. Yes. Obviously, because <laughs> obviously for Infinity War we did already use Infinity Stones, so we cannot rate it on that anymore. We will vote on Ant Man going in um, Thanos' ass or urethra, which is the newest uh, newest obsession. <laughs> Why My theory to- is that if Ant-Man did that, he would become pasted inside of, of uh, Thanos' dick. Which would probably be pretty unpleasant for Thanos as well. Yeah, so more power to him. Just suddenly jizzing but out yes. an entire Ant-Man. Thank you for listening to this bonus episode of The Illinials. You can find me on Twitter at Life of Seth. I'm on Twitter at MC Surf. I'm on Twitter at the Ben Powell or... If you want to follow my account where I specifically talk about wrestling, it's at Ben Talks WWE. I also have a wrestling podcast called Southern Smackdown, the podcast. We're going to record our WrestleMania preview show tomorrow night, actually. Hell yeah. Nice. Marcus, any oh, plugs? I'm Mr. Beaches on Instagram. Woot woot. Nice. Nice. And nice. You, do you post your art on there or anything? Occasionally, but recently it's just weird videos and... It's pictures. just selfies and stuff. <laughs> Actually, a lot less selfies than any normal person would. But yeah. Alright, well. We will see y'all later. Yep. Out. Goodbye. Peace.